What's up, everybody? Welcome to the OKC82 podcast on this completely normal, normal Wednesday. The Thunder defeat the New Orleans Pelicans 111 to 110 in dramatic, fun, entertaining fashion. Uh, not that we needed any type of uh, just any type of getting rid of whatever's going on in the world. None of that. I mean, we a normal basketball game could have sufficed, but thank goodness it was a fun and entertaining game and a game in which Oklahoma City looked like they were fairly out of it early and then kept coming. And especially when you remember that this team played the same New Orleans Pelicans team last week in Oklahoma City and was just thoroughly out-hustled, out-shot, just out-everything in the game of basketball. Uh, it's all the more impressive that the Thunder were able to get a victory. But again, that really depends on if you're happy or not about that. But we'll get to that later. But I'm Brady Trantham. Across the table, very far away from me, is Miss Christine Butterfield. And we just got done watching the game. We just got done listening to Mark Dagnalt in the post-game press availability. And, Christine, this is a game that you can say Oklahoma City just randomly won, but this is a game that Oklahoma City just took from New Orleans and played at their pace. And guys like Darius Baisley had incredible second halves, SGA, uh, George Hill with some big shots, big free throws. I mean, the Thunder did not randomly win this game. They just they flat out beat a team that I thought going into it just had everything on them in terms of athleticism, uh, veteran presence, and then especially – paint presence I thought that was going to just destroy Oklahoma City tonight and it just didn't matter yeah Brady I would not say that they randomly won at all you know in the first quarter like you said they were they were down and their points in the paint were atrocious and they were lacking a presence in the paint defensively as well and after that I thought okay you know we're seeing everything we we've seen the past couple of games even when they last played against the Pelicans and Steven Adams was playing well at that point to begin with. And so I thought, oh, this is just going to be another regular, you know, like tanking game for the Thunder. And then they really just turned up the heat in the second quarter. And you really have to attribute that to their bench because their bench actually was one of the main reasons why they even stood a chance going into the second half because they were able to gain the Thunder back their lead. I think they stopped it. They came in and it was 26 to 34. And then by the time they went back onto the bench, the score was then 47 to 43 in the Thunder's favor instead of them being down. So they made a huge improvement. They made a huge impact on the game. And that's what it was able to give them the spark heading into the second half. Now, Mark Dagnalt in the press um, post-game press conference did say it was a tale of two halves. And that's because the bench really showed up in the first half, yep. not so much the second half. And then after halftime, the starters really just turned up the heat and they were shooting really well. Darius Baisley obviously had a really good night. Shea Gildas Alexander turned up the heat and Lou Dort was able to make some shots and obviously show his defensive presence. And just when you put that all together, along with how amazing they did in fast break, that's what really set them apart. And Brady, I know that you said this the past couple of games that you've been harping on them. They were 28th in the league for, you know, fast break points. Now they scored 27 points off of fast break. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly see a little bit of a shift in the Thunder the last few games of just more of an effort to get the ball pushing up the floor. And I think you kind of saw that early on against the Miami Heat. And I know no one really wants to talk about that game because of how out of hand it got. But uh, SGA was attacking early. 
And so this team probably has a, a good understanding of its its basic foundation, which is that of ball movement and three-point shooting. Um, whether they make them or not is the other side of the coin. But, I mean, they shot 46 threes tonight. Yeah. I mean, what are they, third or like fourth, third, or second? I cannot remember where they were in three-point attempts. Right. And they're hovering around the top ten in the NBA in hitting those threes. So they're they're hoisting a bunch of shots. And you know that's a Mark Dagnall thing. You know that's an Oklahoma City Thunder thing. This is something that they've been trying to do for a long time is ball movement and getting guys open for three-point shots. But if they can have that as their foundation and then start to figure out, hey, SGA, Darius Baisley, Lou Dort, these guys can run the floor. Mm-hmm. And Al Horford is a great trailing center. George Hill, you know, he's not going to beat you with any type of athleticism, but he's a guy who understands pace. And then, like you said, with the bench, Hamadou Diallo is a walking fast break. He fast breaks when he doesn't need to, and he fast breaks when he shouldn't. Uh, Teo Maladon is more of your prototypical classic point guard that he wants to play the pace of the game and slow it down a little bit, but he's quick in his own right. So if they keep harping on their foundation of ball movement and three-point attempts to stretch the floor, once they figure out how to actually run the floor – the Thunder are going to find themselves in a dangerous position of being able to win a few more games uh, than we probably all kind of assumed that they would. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, of course, but back to this game with uh, when you're talking about the bench. I mean, yeah, because that's the, always the thing with this team is we know how good the starting five is and for the most part can be. It's just always going to be the bench. Now, again, Alexei Pokashevsky did not play tonight. He <laughs> is still um, in the NBA's concussion protocol. We'll get an update on him tomorrow morning, I'm assuming, around lunchtime. Uh, but the bench, they outscored uh, New Orleans' bench in the first half, 29-10. to 10, And that was the only way that Oklahoma City could be in this game because yeah. you knew the paint discrepancy was going to be there. I mean, the Pelicans outscored them 58-36 uh, in the paint. And that's going to be New Orleans' strength. I mean, they got Zion and Steven, two guys that can just bully anybody, um, even with how young Zion is. But the Thunder are just a small team. Mm-hmm. And... Yes, it did help that the Pelicans lost J.J. Redick to a Hamadou Diallo knee uh, early in the second quarter. That's going to help your cause. But the Pelicans just could not generate any threes, so you credit Oklahoma City's defense. But the bench being able to outscore the Pelicans bench so much so in the first half set the stage for that second half comeback where the Thunder took a commanding lead in the third quarter, and that's – I mean, we can get started on Darius Baisley or if you had anything else on the bench. I mean, it's Darius Baisley was – I thought, other than the bench, the key difference tonight. Yeah, I just wanted to go back to what you said about kind of what their future could look like if they figure out their fast break situation. That's all contingent on if they make their threes because even though they are second or third or whatever in three-point attempts, it doesn't really matter if you're not making them. So if they're having an off night um, with their shot, it doesn't matter like how many points they're going to make off fast breaks and clearly they need to they have so many three-point attempts because they know that they are lacking a presence in the paint and they know that they're not going to be dominant there for the entire season so they need to make sure that they have a pretty solid three-point percentage to even have a shot at beating most of these teams and frankly they're lucky that the pelicans were just abysmal from three tonight they made four of 22 that's 18 percent from yeah, behind the arc which is you got guys trash. like you got guys like lonzo josh hart i, mm-hmm. I mean the pelicans are definitely going through for the stan van gundy of form a fucking wall and 
just get in the paint and just be and, aggressive. And that yeah. can, and that can work. And even if you shoot, you can shoot a tad under below average from three and still be a fairly good team and be right. a playoff contending team with the guys that they have. And Brandon Ingram is always, a, he's most nights he's a walking bucket tonight. He had some chances to hit some shots late, had one nice bucket, got to the free throw line, just wasn't able um, to even get a, a, the shot off at the last possession. I think it was Nikhil Alexander Walker that actually took the last three uh, with the thunder up one and it almost went in, but yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly a concerted effort by this team because again, like I feel like I have to say this every five seconds on these podcasts or on the radio, the players are trying to win. So you may be upset that the Thunder won because that will, you know, in theory hurt their chances for a top lottery pick. But the players and the coaches are going out, to the, out there to win. So what do you do if you are this roster? You look at it and you understand there is some young talent. It's inexperienced. There's some old veteran presence here that can help. All we can really do is hoist up a bunch of threes because it's just it it's the great equalizer for this team and if they hit shots it will increase their margin for error and luckily mm-hmm. tonight the bench came to life if the bench didn't come to life it, if it was just a normal bench performance uh out of Hamadou Diallo out of Teo Maladon out, out of, of Mike Muscala Mike right. Muscala was hitting three after three in the third quarter oh yeah he was hot. um if it was just a normal bench performance even with New Orleans shooting so terribly from everywhere but the paint the Pelicans easily win this game oh 100 percent, and that's what i attribute to this win is definitely the bench because they came out when the starters were coming out flat even though the ball movement for the thunder was very solid we're used to seeing that at this point you know when i see great ball movement from okc i expect that because that's something that you can tell that mark dagnall preaches in practice you can tell that's something they definitely work on because they're just able to find that open shot every single time so they're going to be able to put up these threes. Now it's that, you know, kind of drop off to the bench that is concerning from game to game because you never know how they're going to play. And since the starters came out flat, maybe that was a big enough incentive for the bench to really kind of juice it up a little bit and know that they needed to be that much better to even have a shot at winning. So I don't know if that played into kind of how fired up they were tonight. Either way, definitely worked. And if they can make sure – I Mark Dagnall also said this in postgame – make sure that between their bench and their starters they become more consistent throughout the entire game, that will become a big deal for the Thunder moving forward. And just getting into fast breaks, I mean, that is something that is so crucial, especially for this team when you don't have a presence in the paint. You need to get those easy layups whenever you can, and you need to yeah. make teams pay for the mistakes that they make. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know if I should throw so much praise at the Thunder's defense uh, for keeping New Orleans um, from running the floor, and I mainly say that because it that's an absolute shame to see New Orleans only had eight fast break points with the guys that they have, with the athletes that they have running the floor, um, and even Stephen Adams. I mean, Stephen Adams is older, but we understand fully well that he can run the floor. He can be a guy that you can dish it off to. And he can finish at the rim with authority. And so just seeing eight fast break points, I, I just I I probably need to watch it again. I don't know how much of that is Oklahoma City's defense or if New Orleans just screwed around and they just weren't prepared. Because I, I follow a few Pelicans writers and a few uh, Pelicans personalities, and they were saying a lot of the same things on Twitter where it's another game, another game where the Pelicans just play down to their competition. So apparently that just might be a problem for them. Um, and Oklahoma City caught him on a good night. But more to the bench, 
I mean, the 29 to 10 discrepancy in the first half, that ballooned. I mean, the the Pelicans bench had nine points in the second half, and Oklahoma City ended up with 40. I'm not going to, I can't do math. So 11, you know, uh, so 11 to nine, uh, you're going to be playing your starters more so in the second half as it gets later on. But Brady, uh, I asked this question on Twitter. I mean, maybe not really phrase it as a question. I was just curious on your thoughts about this. So, like I said before, the bench came in, it was 26 to 34. They left the game when it was 47 to 43. And basically, as soon as the starters came back in before halftime, which is when they kind of kicked it into gear. But before halftime, they let the Pelicans regain their lead. And in that instance, do you put your bench back in and just kind of say, like, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it? Or do you just rely on the guys that have gotten you through so many other games this season? I feel like if the Thunder are the team that they had been the last three or four years, I think, yeah, you keep the bench in because you're – starting core of whether we're talking about the Chris Paul team or any version of Russell Westbrook running this team over the last few years, um, they're not going to be developing or learning from these experiences like this roster would. So like your point's well taken. If it's that team, then yeah, you ride the hot hand. Um, and any night it could be a Hamadou Diallo, but this team, I think Mark Dagnell understands he needs to value every competitive situation possible because you have we have no idea like this this could be the thunder season all year long it could be another tale where they're projected to win like 21 games and they end up winning 40 and they could be a sneaky little eight seed team you know for all we know or they could just be an awful team like we saw uh, against the heat the other night like they could just hit a wall at some point they could have enough film out there and people have scouted them enough that they just can't overcome all their discrepancies or all their uh, lack of talent or what have you. Um, so I think Dagnalt really needs to value what competitive situations he finds himself in. And when he does, he needs to throw SGA out there. He needs to throw Baisley out there, Lou Dort, because they're the future of this franchise. And they need to find out if they indeed are the future. Because if your guys give a damn, if they hustle, they learn from their small mistakes that they see and identify in, in the film room, in clutch moments, then you know, okay, those are guys that we can invest in. I mean, we, we fully understand what SGA can be. We kind of have an idea with Darius. We don't have that much of an idea with Lou. So I want to see those guys out there in clutch moments. I don't want to see Muskie or Hami or Teo Maladon just yet. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we all kind of know what SGA does in the clutch. And I think he's learned a lot of that from Chris Paul. He's taken a lot of cues from him at this point. And he seems pretty confident when uh, he needs to be that guy down the stretch. Darius Baisley really impressed me tonight, though. Uh, he had 20 points and 12 rebounds. He had, and 50, he had 11 in four minutes in the third quarter. He was, insane. Yeah, I think he was two of... I think he was two of nine in the first half and just he looked a lot like how he looked against the Pelicans last week and that's just a byproduct of he's guarding Zion Williamson and Darius is he's got the height not he the just, width he though. just does not have the girth or the width <laughs> yeah and it's it's him along with Al Horford who's more kind of like trailing around the outside he's at the high, in the high paint he's not in the low paint um, he's like, I'm too old for that. It's basically him and Steve, him against Steven Adams and Zion Williamson. And Darius just is not going to win that battle. And it looked a lot like that in the first half. And then he just came to life. And I think he hit his first four or five shots, scored the, those 11 points in that four minute burst. 
and like you said, ended with 20. And, you know, the we talked about the bench, but even with the bench's effort, somebody had to, like, come to life, whether it was yeah. SGA, Lou Dort, or Al Horford, or somebody just needed to come to life for this Thunder offense, and it was Darius Baisley. And I was very happy to see it because just like I was saying earlier about finding yourself in competitive situations, you need to see what your young guys are going to do. Darius Baisley learned from it. He had a terrible outing against the Pelicans last week, right. and he answered the call tonight. And I want to see that out of a young guy that I want to invest in for the next, you know, four to seven years. This was a big test to me for the Oklahoma City Thunder because we. this is the second team that they've played twice. The two teams that they've played twice, they've now beaten the second time after losing to them previously. And... When you're talking about the Orlando Magic, I think that's a completely different situation than when you're talking about the New Orleans Pelicans, just based on a talent standpoint. And so I expected the Thunder to be able to steal one in Orlando, although I didn't think that they were going to have it in them to beat the Pelicans tonight. And what we've seen now... I just feel like... Yeah, I feel like it's a bad matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they just... It's just two completely different teams, and based on the experience that the New Orleans Pelicans have and kind of how they work together as a team, I assume that they were going to take this away from the Thunder again. But what Mark Dagnall has done with this team already has shown that they're going to improve from game to game in some facet, in, in some area. And now they have beaten those teams. Like they've been able to beat those teams the second time, which shows that they've learned from that first game yeah. and been able to correctly study it, learn from it, move on from it, and be able to do that much better when they play them again. And that's huge, especially in this kind of season when you have 72 games and you need to be able to take everything you've learned and project that onto the next team. And the schedule's weird just because the, the NBA is shoving a ton of games in a small amount of time. Right. So, so you can, like, it's actually a really good observation that you just made because you can make those what may seem like corny thoughts uh, because Thunder fans are used to playoffs and like, like Western conference or like finals or bust. So obviously expectations and standards change in this season. And so when you have instances like that, where you are playing teams relatively close on the schedule, it is a good opportunity for your young guys to want to put out some good stuff, put out a lot of bad stuff, have a few days of practice in between with some film study and then put it into practice. And you are seeing like the Thunder just, you know, as a team winning against Orlando, winning now against New Orleans after losing to them in the first game. And hell, even in the preseason, they almost did that with Chicago. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Frank Jackson, who's no longer with the Thunder, uh, couldn't hit that last second shot, but it was a much better performance um, by this by this roster in the second game. So uh, that may, I didn't even think about that. That's actually a really good thought. So um, I, I don't think it's surprising or shocking that oh SGA is a sponge personality I mean we knew that last year right um, but only one player can take you so far so it does really seem like early on now again this could all go south because this team is very capable of finding or hitting some lull where they lose four or five games in a row by double digits like they are not very good and that is very much on the table they got Julius Randle the Knicks coming up and the Knicks suck but you know who knows uh, Brooklyn with, I don't think Kevin Durant will be playing in that game. I think he'll still be in quarantine, but still that's Brooklyn, a lot of firepower. Um, uh, Kyrie Irving is certainly capable. That's going to be a good test for SGA. But, um, in those moments where they have clutch time, the young guys, uh, learn from their mistakes from the past. 
all you can do in the short term, other than dreaming about all those draft picks, Christine, is just, I like it. I may not want them to win, but man, I like that these young guys really give a fuck. Yeah, I love seeing them compete. I didn't know how their attitude was going to be this season, obviously. Me neither. I, I mean, obviously, you would assume that no one wants to lose, but you you don't know if they're okay with being mediocre for a year just to really make a big splash the following season, or you don't know um, if there's going to be some different philosophies between the coach and the players. But just being able to see them be competitive, be aggressive, and show that they're really trying their best every single game, I think is something that's a huge deal because a lot of Thunder fans, I believe, thought that they were just going to believe in the tank and they weren't going to care if they lost and they knew that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA and they were just going to hang their hats and just deal with it. But they are going out there and really proving that they can contend with these teams. And sure, they're not going to win a lot of these games, but they're losing a lot of these games by not that much points. Like, they're losing these games by, like, three, maybe six points, and that's pretty close. I mean, it's the perfect potential tank scenario. Exactly. Your fans are entertained and engaged, and you get to see your young guys in important situations, and you don't always come up on the winning side, but that you know leads to potentially Cade Cunningham or something. Yeah, and so you get the draft picks that you want while still having a team that is able to stick with these guys and be able to show that they're able to compete with these guys. So... That's exactly what you want from a tanking season, in my opinion, is a team that can contend but gets the amount, right amount of losses you need just to put you in that perfect little spot. Yeah, w- one quick shout-out. Uh, Trevor Ariza still hasn't scored with the Thunder, so um, <laughs> obviously this isn't on the radio, so he's my tank commander of the game tonight. Um, but Mike Muscala with 18 points, 6-9 uh, of nine from the floor, 5-7 of seven from three. He had two back-to-back possessions where he was just hitting stupid threes in people's faces, and... Um, you weren't there, Christine, on, when was this, Sunday? Is it Wednesday or Monday? Yeah. When the Thunder played uh, last against the Heat. Uh, Michael Cage in the pregame was talking about how Mike Muscala, like, early on could be, like, a six-man-of-the-year candidate. And, like, Matt Burton and Ryan and I just were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, please, please, I know you're paid by this team, but you don't have to say outlandish, silly things like that. Don't, don't do Mike Muscala like that. Um, but... I, He's I, will gi- he I will give Michael Cage credit more times than not. Mike Muscala has hit big shot after big shot in mm-hmm. games that the Thunder have won. They are now what three and three and four, I three believe. and four. I almost wanted to say three and five. Cause again, I can't do math, but um, in th- the Thunder's three wins, I can identify in my memory right now, like w- at least one big three that Mike Muscala hit that really influenced that uh, game being a Thunder win. So shout out to Mike Muscala. Yeah, I thought he did really well tonight. And I and I believe that he's one of those guys on the bench that when he has a good night, it means a lot of good things for the Thunder. I mean, because they like I to, think he's able to ignite the offense a lot from the bench. Teo and Hami love trying to find him when they cut to mm-hmm. the basket. And obviously, if, if they run into the trees and they can't go anywhere, the first thing they're trying to do is find Mike Muscala because the bench is running the same offense that the starting five is. This isn't like, you know, the old days where Russell is running the Russell offense and then the bench would come out there and run more of a Scott Brooks or a Billy Donovan idea of an offense. You know, they're very much still trying to have ball movement and get some threes off. And Mike Muscala, um, I mean, Pokashevsky when he's out there is going to be taking some threes because we've seen him already do that. But I would, I mean, that's probably one of the main reasons 
the Thunder lead in attempts because he just keeps just shot yeah, putting them out there. Yeah, well, I mean, throw shit on the wall, see what see where it sticks. Uh, Christine, any other final thoughts? I mean, I'll rattle off some numbers real quick. Uh, SGA with 21 points, nine assists, five rebounds. Darius basically, like we said, 20 points. Another double-double for him, I believe his third of the season. He was 8 of 20, so not overly efficient at all like we're used to, but again, he had an abysmal first half, so I I would just suggest no, just look at it from the second half on. Um, and now everything wants to lag. Uh, yeah, George Hill, 13 points. Lou Dort, only 9 points, but he was 3 of 4, so he didn't shoot the thunder out of uh, the game early on. And then Hamadou Diallo with 9 points. Uh, yeah, I know you didn't really ask, but Isaiah Roby would be my tank commander of the game tonight. Just after taking that big shot to the face, he just looked a little lost after that. And feel free to say anything. I don't like. I don't. You don't need to be asked. You can say whatever you want. This is your podcast now. Oh wow! Look at that. Did you hear that, everyone? Yeah. So Yikes. work on an intro song. <laughs> okay. You're the one who can sing. I guess I could. I should just do it of all the people I could sound like. Yeah. There you go. Um. But other than that, I think George Hill is actually pretty quiet tonight. I know that he was four of nine, but... That's how I like my George Hill on the basketball floor, is just quiet and cool. Just silent but deadly? Mm, eh. maybe. maybe. A little maybe. less. But yeah, I I thought he was quiet tonight. Um, He didn't really need to be great, but sometimes I expect more from him just from seeing how hot he can get. Uh, I thought Lou Dort actually did pretty well. He was efficient enough, and his defense was obviously one of the leading strengths for the thunder tonight and obviously mike muscala just was killing it and again was six of nine from the field so nice. way to go musky nice how did i miss that one i don't know i wanted to rattle off some uh thunder fan reactions to oh, a yes, simple Brady. little question i asked on the twitter machine uh we'll get get these out there and get out of your ears in just a few minutes but some of these made me laugh so uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker missed that three at the end. The Thunder win a one eleven to one ten, and I just like, hey, are you happy or are you upset? We're starting to get to a point where the sample size is no longer too small. We're almost to the ten game mark, and that's when you know you can start seeing some trends and patterns. So I want to simply see some trends and patterns in the fan base now that they have a good idea of what this team is. So are you happy or are you upset? At only the Earth says furious. Um, friend of the pod, former co-hostess of this podcast, Miss Madison Morris. Hi, Madison. Uh, she said that she had a Twix for dinner. Uh, no confirmation if it was both because Jerry Ramsey did ask the good question of like both. Left or, or right? Yeah. Or are you saving one for t- tomorrow? We need to know this. Wait, do you know, like, you know, left or right? You know how they had that whole marketing campaign where they put, quote unquote, two left Twixes in one package I and o- two right Twixes in one I package? I always eat mine right-handed. That's all I care about. Okay. Because I'm right-handed. Okay. You got to eat them quick because they will melt in your hand. And they will. If you're driving, Is it's like, weird, oh, I got to get this on my steering wheel. I kind of like my like candy bars a little bit melted, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you want your chocolate to be kind of oozy. God, don't. I'm trying to go this month without <laughs> eating sweets. Oh, uh, well, I mean, Madison's just taunting you from twitter yes um and that's what she does she's a monster uh so and this is madison still so i feel pretty euphoric over here thanks for asking of course she's happy because mike muscala did things uh let's see yeah tony sellers ambivalent 
That's a $20 word right there if I've ever seen one. Uh, Tyler Pierce at Tyler Longshanks, which is a great Twitter handle. We suck at losing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I guess that's a good thing. If only the Thunder sucked at losing in the playoffs the last few years, people would be a little bit more happy. Uh, There's a lot of happy. So I understand the importance of the future, but I will admit, Christine, if I'm a Thunder fan and I'm sitting down and watching all 72 of these damn games, I want my team to win. Oh, 100%. I'm never going to wish my team would lose. I let the future take care of itself. I don't care about it. I want to see my young guys succeed. And um, look, look, if SGA and Darius Baisley blow up into fringe all-stars, then, of course, you would love to have like a number one or number two overall pick. But at that point, you don't necessarily need that guy to be a number one or number two overall pick if Darius and SGA achieve some higher level of playing because those are your guys. You just need to find pieces around them that fit. So we will see. I would just want my team to win. So I'm happy to see a lot of happies. Uh, Landon Huey, apologies if I'm reading that incorrectly, you play to win the game. Happy that they're competing and winning a few along the way. It's a good little attitude to have. Uh, happy, but I can't wait for them to lose, says Eric Bates. Um, let's see. <laughs> At Chiefs 502, which I just learned, Christine, that you've been a lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan. Holy shit, Batman. Wow. That's that's really good. Uh, <laughs> Lee Benson from Oklahoma's News 9 says, Very happy, Brady. Thank you for asking. And, of course, Lee, you are welcome. Oh, and a lot of funny gifts. George Stoya, not... Not particularly happy. Anthony West says they tried to lose. Doesn't work all the time. <laughs> yep. I would assume this team is probably frustrating to bet on. Bold strategy, Cotton. Yep. And that's about it. A few of those made me chuckle, so good job, everybody. Good job, Twitter community. Yay. Christine, you looking forward to spending your Friday night station to do uh, radio? Oh, always. It's a good time. Yep, football season's over, so nothing to look forward to over the weekend except for Thunder basketball and... Um, rude. I love college basketball. This is one of my favorite times We're of the not year. talking about college basketball when you're on. I'm not saying we're going to talk about it. I'm just saying that I'm not... I mean, I am sad that football's over, but I'm super excited that college basketball's back. So, I'm thriving. Fair enough. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the OKC82 podcast. Once again, follow, like I said on Twitter, follow... Christine Butterfield on Twitter at CB on sports. Uh, we need to get her up to a thousand followers. So uh, let's make that happen. Let's get that going. Cause I don't want to keep asking you, um, <laughs> but hopefully you already follow me since I've been doing this podcast now for, this is the third year. So hopefully you're following me, but if not, that'd be really strange if they were listening to you. And I, I, were, I really wouldn't blame them. I don't you. bring that much value to Twitter. I'm just, I'm just a fool. So no, I think you're, I think you're, Twitter's pretty solid. Sometimes. It just really, am I drunk? A solid or am follow. I not drunk? That's the question. Love that. Yeah. But everybody, thank you so much for listening to OKC82. We will talk to you live on the radio following the Thunder and the Knicks on Friday night on 107.7 The Franchise. I believe it'll be Christine, myself, Matt Burton, Jerry Ramsey will be joining us. Maybe Ryan Chapman. I don't know what OU basketball is doing that night, but. Maybe it'll be all of us. Maybe it'll just be some of us. But tune in. We'll appreciate it. Until next time, talk to you later.